All right, uh, we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4, but we will look at a few different passages here as we start. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Boy, is that a good, timely text for tonight. But the end of all things is at hand. Uh, things, that, things as we know it will soon change. There is no way things are going to keep going the way they are for, uh, from a thousand perspectives. From how strong some of the Muslims are getting to how ungodly our nation is getting to how high our national debt is getting to how messed up we are in our society and our families and everything else. For the end, let's see, where is it? But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, this is more important than anything, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. It's usually not a good thing to cover up your sins, is it? Isn't it? All right, this is not talking about cover up your sins in the sense of not confessing them. This is talking about cover up your sins in the sense of not publicizing them. Everybody doesn't need to know every detail of everything going on in your life, especially your foolish, shameful, sinful parts. Um, verse 9, Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. All right, we're in 1 Peter. Turn back towards the Old Testament, just one book, just a few pages, to James 5, verse 19. James 5, 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall, look at it, hide a multitude of sins. This doesn't mean hide your sins from God. This is talking about hiding your sins from publicizing them on the world wide web to the whole wide world. Okay? You don't need to put all your junk uh, out there on the world wide web. All right, one more. Let's go back to the Old Testament. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Uh, Saul and Jonathan get killed here by the Philistines. And David's upset about it. Isn't that interesting that somebody that had turned an enemy to David like Saul had and tried to kill him multiple times when David had been nothing but loyal and loving to him. When he dies, David's not rejoicing. It breaks his heart. He doesn't want anybody rejoicing in that. Did you know somebody can turn on the Lord and turn on you and you still love them? I got a bunch of Baptists. I don't think believe that. <laughs> but 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, when Saul and Jonathan had been killed, it says, The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. I title this sermon, Why We Should Not Publish Evil. A plea for discretion. I believe we ought to be way more discreet than we are in our public, public day where you just plaster all your stuff to the whole wide world to see. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you uh, come down and talk to us, God, and help us to be better Christians for you and learn some lessons that I believe will make us a lot more pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say tonight that there are clear biblical commands against publishing evil, and good reasons are given for them. Before you say something or you do something publicly or you wear something, consider these things. Now, we live in a day where people have a need to show out or show off or publicize their foolishness or even their sin. Now, there's been a sense in which it's always been true. They've always had graffiti. And uh, Dad, was it, who was it in your school used to say fools' names and fools' faces? That was the principal. The principal. Willie's Chisholm. Oh, man, Mr. Chisholm from Bledsoe County High School back in the olden days. He used to say... Fools' names and fools' faces always appear in public places. Can you imagine trying to put that out today in our day of social media? <laughs> the whole reason for social media is so fools' names and fools' faces <laughs> can appear in public places. We've come a long way, baby, haven't we? Oh, my word. Now, it was always in graffiti. It was in the gossip pages of the newspapers and in the magazines and in, then later in the 24-hour news channels and then in blogs. And now social media has taken it to an extent that I just don't think we can come back from. I think we're just too far gone. I hope I'm not being a prophet of doom. I hope I'm not being overly negative. But it'll take a miracle of God like parting the Red Sea for us to get back to a, a sensible society with everything going on on the internet and social media. God help us. Amen. Now, sometimes this is caused by a lack of maturity. Sometimes by the lack of discretion. Sometimes because nobody's trained them. Nobody's taught them any better. In the old days, we'd say they ain't had no raising. <laughs> uh, we now have a generation that doesn't even know why discretion even matters. A generation or two ago, they didn't know why holiness matters. Now, they don't even know why discretion matters. A generation or two ago, they didn't know better than to stop their sin. Now they don't know any better than to publicize their sin. We're going down further and further and Amen. further. So I'm going to give you three reasons, and I, Lord willing, I'll talk fast so we can get to the uh, Lord's Supper and business meeting. All right, now the first problem with publishing evil is it shows a lack of, of shame in self. First problem with publishing, publishing evil is there's something missing here. You ought to be ashamed. You remember that old saying? Oh, you ought to be ashamed. You remember that? Amen. Okay, if you're putting it out on the World Wide Web, you ought to be ashamed. Now, now I don't misunderstand. I get that we're all sinners. I get that our immediate family and, and, and a small circle of real close friends is going to know some stuff about us that isn't exactly flattering. I understand that. That's always been true. I assume there's no way to avoid that. But you need to be real careful about anything you just say out loud and tell everybody and let everybody see. Uh, there's something wrong with your lack of shame when you don't have enough discretion to be ashamed of what's going on in your life. And let's be honest, we all have some stuff that doesn't exactly need to be told. And here I am, a preacher, and the gift of gab, and talk a little too much myself. But I, I'll say they have, they have surpassed anything I ever dreamed of doing, even though I have some weakness in this area myself. All right, now look at Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15. Here's a great verse on these things. 
Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba, and the sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall upon them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. All right, now you should be ashamed, and if you're not ashamed, it shows a terrible lack of shame in your own heart and in your own self. If you're comfortable with putting some stuff, and I, I trust that in a Bible-believing Baptist church, you're not putting out total filth to the world, but there's plenty of questionable stuff that it's just better to just leave unsaid. Amen. And we'll get to that uh, on the third point for sure. But you, you should be ashamed, if no other reason, to avoid God's wrath. Look at chapter 6 here in Jeremiah, verse 15, where we just read. What does it say happens because they were not at all ashamed and could not blush? It says, therefore they shall fall among them that fall. And at the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. The Lord shows up and his wrath comes on you. Why? You're just talking too much. You weren't at least ashamed of it. I'm not justifying any sin, but it shows a special brazenness when you not only sin, but you tell everybody you sin. There's something wrong. Uh, Ahab, I've often referred to that story of Ahab, wicked as he was, when he got all humble and quiet and walking softly and wasn't all bold with his sin, the Lord gave mercy to even wicked Ahab. I know some Baptists that don't even measure up to Ahab in that, in that area. All right, so you should be ashamed to avoid God's wrath. You should be ashamed to avoid further stubborn rebellion. There's something about once you go public with your sin or at least your questionable stuff or your shameful stuff, there's something about that that emboldens you to get even more stubborn and rebellious. Look at the wording in verse 16. The Lord had just said, Stand, in the way, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. How did they answer? But they said, We will not walk therein. Let me tell you something. When somebody is going to God and saying, we will not, they're gone. Amen. When you'll shake your fist in the face of God, goodbye, nice knowing you. <laughs> you are not going to win that boxing match. Oh boy. Look at verse 17. Also, I set watchmen over you. Might have been parents. Might have been a principal. Might have been a teacher. Might have been a pastor. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Adios. <laughs> you just went over the cliff 
Whether you know it or not, you may not have felt the impact yet, but you're gone. You are already gone when you're doing that. You know what? how this started? They weren't even ashamed of their abomination. Oh, okay, well then you're just going to head into some more stubborn rebellion. You remember when Pharaoh got a little attitude with God? Hardened his heart a little bit against God? What did God do? Hardened it some more for him. He said, okay, Buster Brown, let's see who wins this contest. Now help me remember Exodus. Who won that, God or Pharaoh? <laughs> Which one is drowned in the Red Sea? <laughs> you get all bold and start putting your junk out there for the world to see? Let me tell you about God. He's never lost one yet. <laughs> you ain't going to beat him because if you're putting that stuff out for the world to see, that tells me something about your heart. You're not ashamed and you're already getting stubborn and your very next step is going to be shake your fist right in his face. It will not be to take your place in loyal submission. <laughs> That's not what people do, publicize their stuff. All right, you should be ashamed to avoid unacceptable worship. One of the interesting things to me is once people are publicizing their sin and shaking their fist in the face of God, they still say, stay religious. They still go to church. They still claim to be Christian in our day. Look at verse 20. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba and the sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. You see how the Bible runs contrary to the to the popular uh, big crowd churches in our day. The, the Lord says, there's some stuff that I just won't accept from you. Why? Because you weren't ashamed, and you shook your faith, fist in my face, and you shook your fist in the face of the, the watchman that I said over you, and now you're going to bring me some worship? Forget it. I'm not taking it. <laughs> that's not the God of the seeker-sensitive churches. He's always clapping and saying, oh, that's so good, honey. <laughs> Not the God of the Bible. Somebody doesn't know their Bible. There comes times God said, forget it, keep it. But I assume you know God will be fine with or without your worship. Amen. It is you that derive benefit from worshiping God, Amen. not Him. Heaven will not go broke because Mr. Joe Baptist doesn't worship the Lord enough. No, it won't be heaven that will be heard. It will be Mr. Joe Baptist. Amen. And uh, he says, your burnt offerings are not acceptable. I do not accept them. That is a terrible place to be. You know how you know that you're going from just a slight attraction to a person that you kind of like and kind of appreciate to an actual relationship with them? When you accept them. When you and the Lord started your relationship, you know what happened? He accepted you when you accepted him. Isn't that right? Yep. What happens when somebody comes with their worship to the Lord and he does not accept it? Uh-oh. The fellowship and the relationship is broken, isn't it? Uh, you should be ashamed to avoid this unacceptable worship. Uh, you should be ashamed, if for no other reason, to avoid useless relationships. Look at verse 21. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall upon them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. You get this a lot in, in Christians, church, in, in churches. Oh, my 
family's everything to me. <laughs> well, good then. You can just all go down. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The father and the son falls together. The whole family goes. What's the next? The neighbor and his friend. Oh, I got friends in this town. Not enough to defeat God, you don't. Oh, we got a great family. We're close. You'll not get between us and our family. Uh, God will do whatever he thinks. <laughs> and there's not a thing you can do to stop him. You know what you do? You quit opposing him by, number one, not being ashamed. Number two, being more stubborn and rebellious. Number three, bringing him unacceptable worship. And then bragging about how great your family and friends are. You think they're preaching like this in most churches today? <laughs> All I'm doing is expounding Jeremiah 6. Is that what it says or not? Right. Uh, you should be ashamed to avoid losing what you already have. Look just a page or two over into Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 13. In this same general context, Jeremiah fussing about Judah's perpetual backsliding. Uh, Jeremiah 8, verse 13, I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. You not only won't get more, you'll lose what you do have. Amen. And where does this all start? Back when you didn't know to be ashamed. Back when you didn't have discretion. The Bible says a fair woman without discretion it has a jewel of gold and a pig snout or something like that oh me listen that that you are starting down a wrong road when you don't have shame all right so publishing evil shows a lack of shame all right point number two publishing evil strengthens an evil society how many knows that American society has gone evil <laughs> Amen. I mean, if you compare us today with this country, say, 75 years ago, do you eat? Would, would people from 75 years ago even recognize the place? No. Would they recognize a newscast? Would they not swear up and down, oh, man, what has happened here? All right, still in the book of Jeremiah, because it is similar to a lot of the stuff we're seeing in, in our country, I'm sorry to say. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 14. All right, here's the problem with the preachers in that time, the prophets as they called them in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter uh, 23, verse 14, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of the evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom. A whole lot more talk about Sodomites these days, isn't there? and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall, for from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. What does it mean if you've got something and you spread it into the whole land? That tells me you've published it. What are we preaching on tonight? Do not publish evil. I know we've all got some evil in us, and I'm not excusing it, but I'm just trying to be real, like, realistic and acknowledge it. But at least don't publicize it. Amen. And what happened here? They publicized some stuff because it's gone forth into all the land. 
verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. Look down at verse 22. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. It is so sad to me as I read that verse that if they had just walked done what God said, it would have worked. But they wouldn't do it. Uh, look down at verse 25. I have heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Yeah, well, you're not supposed to prophesy a dream of your own heart. You're supposed to prophesy what the Lord tells you to say. Verse 26. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. Alright, so publishing evil strengthens an evil society. Number one, it strengthens the hands of the evildoers. Uh, in other words, it enables them. Verse 14 says, uh, they in the middle of the verse, they strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. The New Testament counterpart of this is found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verse 10. Where he says, For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? The idea of strengthening the hands of the wicked, wicked or emboldening the wicked, well, he's doing it, must be okay, is warned about in the Old Testament and the New Testament both. That is not a good idea. All right, secondly, it turns no one away from wickedness. Did you know part of our job is to make our society turn away from their wickedness Amen. and back to God? That's right. Amen. That's part of what we're supposed to be doing and trying to accomplish. I realize we can't make it happen, but we can at least influence that way. Well, verse 14 says... They strengthen also, back in Jeremiah 23, the middle of the verse, they strengthen also the hands of the evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. Well then, that's one of the things you're supposed to be doing is that they return from their wickedness. Ezekiel 13, 22, Because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthen the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way. Therefore, Ye shall see no more vanity nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. The Lord says to those people in Ezekiel, he says, well, you've strengthened the hands of the wicked. They won't turn from their uh, wickedness, so I'm taking away your influence. I wonder if that's why some of us that should have more influence don't have the influence we once did, because we didn't turn anybody away from wickedness. All right, it strengthens the hands of the evil doer, do, uh, doers. It turns no one away from their wickedness. Acts 3.26 says, Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. 
Malachi 2, 4-6, I've sent this commandment unto you that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Notice the importance of the fear of God in that as well as a hundred other places. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, listen to it, and did turn many away from iniquity. That's part of our job. And if you're publicizing your evil, let me tell you what you're not doing. You're not turning anybody away from their wickedness. Uh, here's another thing. It spreads profaneness. Profaneness. We get the word profanity, cuss words, dirty talk. Uh, back in uh, our text, Jeremiah 23, 14, he says, uh, is, that, is that where I'm walking? No, verse 15. It says in the second half of the verse there, it says, For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. So it spread a bunch of profaneness. I looked up the word profane. It means irreverent and disrespectful. We live in a terrible day of irreverence and disrespect. Amen. Amen. The Lord will not bless that. We live in a terrible day of dirty talk and nasty innuendo and bad words and cuss. It scares me to death to Amen. see how our children are talking on the internet. They're using filthy language. They're using filthy everything. God help us. Is that, is that going to be good for this generation? To fill their mind with a bunch of junk like that? Of course not. I, again, I know that everybody has always you know, had a little bit of that. Uh, in their mind, and God forbid a little bit of it escape their mouth. Not anymore. Now it's everywhere. I mean, in our political speeches, filthy, gross stuff and horrible words are coming out that they wouldn't have used in this country for a couple hundred years. It spreads profaneness. Another thing it does is it exalts one's own mind. Jeremiah 23, verse 16 it says, they speak a vision at the end of the verse. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, which way? To his own way. We take the vision of our own heart that we think would be really good and publicize that thing, and it didn't come from God at all. It was our idea the whole time. And now some of us Christians can get into some of that, can't we? I mean, we get just sure that the Lord's will was a certain thing. But how much worse it is when the ungodly crowd does it, how much further they lead people astray. God help us Christians not to do it either. Uh, verse 25, I have heard what the prophet said, to prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. Here's another big problem with it. It praises God-despisers and self-centered people. People that despise God and think that it's all about them. And everybody better follow them. Look at uh, Jeremiah 23, 17. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, they're self-centered, no evil shall come upon you. Is that what the Lord says? 
Does the Lord say, wouldn't that be good if you just did whatever you think is right? Uh-oh. Well, I'm just following my heart. Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Malachi 2.17. Uh, talking about these things, it says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or where is the God of judgment? Uh, here's, the, here's the saddest part of it. I've already referred to it a little bit down in verse 22. Publishing evil when it strengthens an evil society does it this way. It prevents repentance. The thing that will lead somebody to repentance is hearing the truth of the Word of God preached. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But in verse 22 it says, If they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way. It would have worked. It would have worked. And the preachers wouldn't know it. So number one, publishing evil shows a lack of shame. Number two, publishing evil strengthens an evil society. Number three, publishing evil hurts sincere brothers. Now listen, not everybody, even in Laodicea last days, is insincere. Some people are trying their best. Amen. Some people, the best they know, they're trying to do right. Now, we don't have the teaching we used to have, or we do in some circles, but not others, and some people just don't know any better. Some people have a better heart than some Bible-believing Baptists I know, but they've just never been taught. And when you start publishing evil, it hurts some people that are real sincere and they're really trying. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. The thing may not be a sin in of itself, but if it bothers him, it might very well embolden his conscience to go even further with it. So you don't ever encourage somebody to sin against their conscience, even if you know, even if you know your Bible well enough to prove it's not wrong in and of itself. Verse um, 15, I guess I'm on now. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Look at that word, destroy. In English class, as a little boy, they'd have called this an action word. This is not a passive verb. This is an action word. And it's a horrible action word. Destroy not him with thy meat. Here, meat is not right or wrong in itself. It's just a hunk of meat. But if it bothers somebody's conscience, you can destroy somebody with it. Isn't that something? Verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Look down at verse 20. For meat, destroy, there's that word again, not the work of God. All things in need are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. All right, now maybe there's some things you do that are, that are sins. You certainly shouldn't publicize them. Maybe there are some things you're doing that's just kind of borderline, just kind of questionable. 
And it's not technically wrong in and of itself, but it can sure give somebody a bum steer. It can sure send somebody down the wrong path, especially if you know they have a weakness in a certain area. So publishing evil hurts sincere brothers if it causes them to stumble, verse 13. No man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 9 is a parallel passage on these. He says, but take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. It can do that. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? You know the story. You've heard this told before. How that they had meat that had been sacrificed to idols, false gods. And it was just a hunk of meat. And most of those idols were just a hunk of stone or wood or whatever they made it out of. There was nothing real to it. It wasn't a sin to eat that meat. But somebody who had a tender conscience about it, because maybe they used to worship in those temples... And all of a sudden, you eat a bunch of meat right in front of them, even though the meat itself was not a sin. Is it a sin to eat meat? No. But if somebody specifically tells you, this meat here is for worshiping idols, even though you and your conscience know there's not a thing wrong with it, for their conscience sake, you don't eat it right in front of them because it might tear them up. And all those feelings come back all the fun and filth that went on worshiping those idols and having those feasts. So think about the other person and how it affects them before you publicize any evil. Alright, it can cause a brother to stumble. Uh, but it's worse than that. Uh, it's bad to make a brother stumble, don't misunderstand. But look at the wording of verse 15 and again in verse 20. Destroy not him with thy meat. Destroy not the work. It not only can make a brother stumble, it can completely destroy a brother. Do you want that on your conscience? That a brother was doing good and was sincere as he could be, and you brought something up that made him stumble, and then he fell and was actually destroyed. If you've been in Christian circles very long, you know some people that their Christian life and their Christian testimony and their Christian joy wasn't just hindered a little, it was destroyed. And probably never be back. 1 Corinthians 8 talks about these things. Verse 10. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at me in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish. Destroyed in Romans. Perish in uh, 1 Corinthians. Perish for whom Christ died. My goodness. We don't want to destroy somebody or make their Christian testimony and joy and everything be fellowship, be destroyed or perish. It can completely destroy a brother. I'll tell you something else. It can hurt the testimony or the reputation of a good thing. If you do this, verse 16 says, let not then your good be evil spoken of. When you're not careful about all the junk you put out there and publicize to everybody, something good you're trying to do gets evil spoken of. You have a bad testimony and you're out preaching on a street corner and you have a bad testimony and you're witnessing for the Lord, it puts a bad taste in people's mouths. What did people think of the sacrifice of the Lord when Eli's nasty sons 
was the one giving it out. They said, oh, they abhorred the Lord's sacrifice. What about when Samuel's sons went bad? They didn't want anything to do with it. Listen, you keep a good testimony or your good can be evil spoken of. It's important. Just be discreet. I know your mama knows you. I know your brothers and sisters know you. I know your husband or wife knows you. I know your grown or even half-grown kids know you. I know a circle of real close family members and friends know you. There's probably no way to avoid that. But it doesn't have to be publicized to the whole world. It can hurt the reputation or testimony of a good thing. And here's a sad one. It can destroy God's work. God's got some things he's wanting to get done. God's got a plan. And you can go publicize evil to the point that it just messes up something God has going. Look at first, um, I'm sorry, Romans 15, 20. For meat destroy not the work of God. 1 Corinthians 8, 12 says it this way. But when ye sow sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has something going. He has a cause. Be discreet. Don't put, don't put your sins out there publicly and don't even put your questionable stuff out there publicly. You'd be real innocent about the stuff that's publicized for a bunch of people to see. Its destructiveness outweighs your right to do what you want. There are those that say, wait a minute, I got my Christian liberty. Doesn't the Bible teach Christian liberty? Yes, it does. But as we often say, my liberty stops at your nose. <laughs> Don't I have the liberty to swing my arms if I want to? Yeah, but if I start approaching you and swinging my arms till my hand hits you right in the nose, all of a sudden I've gone too far with my liberty, haven't I? Anything wrong with swinging your arms? <laughs> well, no, not if you leave it like that. But when I go up to somebody and no good and well swinging my arms and fixing to slap them upside the head, I probably ought to start swinging my, uh, stop swinging my arms right then, shouldn't I? <laughs> Is there anything wrong with some of the things some of us are doing? Well, technically not. But it's liable to slap somebody upside the head and then misunderstand it and not understand something. Not everybody's had all the teaching we've got. Not everybody understands these things. And its destructiveness does outweigh your right to do what you want. 1 Corinthians 8.13, a great verse on these things, says this, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Paul said, if I have to quit eating meat as long as the earth stands, I'll stop if it means I won't offend somebody. It was that important to him. Wow. Is it Now, he had just said earlier, it's not even a sin to eat meat. I'm not preaching against eating meat, but I am preaching against purposely offending somebody. And one way to do that is just publicize all your questionable stuff and just see who you can trip up. And then impress them with your Bible verses proving that it's okay what you're doing. Yeah, well, their little tender conscience may not be ready for your Bible verses as much as I believe in the Bible. You know what? I could, I could take a little baby and give them a T-bone steak and that poor little baby's going to choke on it. Isn't, isn't that nutritious for you? That baby ain't ready for it. Sometimes there's some people that just haven't had the training you and I have had, and 
you're just trying to choke them on something that may technically be true and may be good for them 10 years from now, they're not ready for it now. All right, what have we said? We've said that publishing evil shows a lack of shame in yourself. It strengthens an evil society, and it hurts the sincere. Look out for publishing evil. The first step was taken, as I said a minute ago, by the generation that dropped their standards of decency and morality. Now the next step is to take that sin that we're involved in and that foolishness and publicize it for the world to see and to see how many people we can trip up. And I'd like to know what other possible reason you have for it if that's not what you're trying to do. Everybody doesn't need to know all your business. I get that it's a good thing to have some people that you rely on and can give you some good advice and some people to give you some good warning. I'm not talking about fathers not warning their families. I'm not talking about pastors not warning their churches about stuff that's going on. I'm talking about just publicizing a bunch of personal junk that doesn't need to be told to the whole wide world. And when you do that, you don't know what damage you're doing. You don't know what damage you're doing to your own conscience. You don't know what damage you're doing to society. You don't know what damage you're doing to young, impressionable Christians, especially the children. Before you wear something or say something or do something publicly, consider these things. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I pray you'll take some of these things and make us just be careful.